Thank you for listening to this interview series by me, David Roth, from WPP, in conjunction with the World Retail Congress, which was recorded live at the World Retail Congress 2023. In this edition, I'm in conversation with Olaf Koch, founder of the venture capital firm Zeitnis, the former CEO of Metro, and a member of the supervisory board of Daimler. For more conversations in this podcast series, go to wppbav.com forward slash WRC 2023. But not before you've listened to this. Olaf, thank you very much indeed for joining me. It's a a pleasure and a, a delight. You've changed your direction of your career over the course of uh, the last uh, couple of years. Last time uh, we met, uh, you were CEO of uh, the Metro Group. You now play in related but different spaces. So I'd like to talk to you a little bit about one of the areas that you work in, which is venture capital, because I can't quite get my head around at the moment whether venture capital is alive and well, whether someone's pushed the pause button or is the VC model dead? Oh, it's far from dead. I think that um, if you look at to the growth rate over the last um, 13 years, 15 years, it's spectacular uh, worldwide, uh, particularly also in Europe, where it has grown more than 10 times uh, to roughly 100 billion in venture capital allocation. And the fact that right now there's a bit of a setback uh, cannot be denied, but I would not call it a structural change. I would call it just an adjustment for the moment and as people say, when you have such a kind of a adjustment, those are the years for great investments. And I would say the venture capital industry in, in Europe has really developed not only funds. There are amazing funds with great uh, achievements, great returns they have delivered to the LPs. But it's the whole, as they say, ecosystem, right? I mean, uh, you have uh, the law firms, the tax experts, uh, the, the, the agencies around that. So I think by no means um, one should expect that the venture capital uh, industry um, globally, not at all, and uh, by no means in Europe, is um, at a weak point. It is a setback, so one should not close their eyes in front of that, but uh, you should be very optimistic that vintage 22, vintage 23 will be good years. <laughs> I suppose there'll be some, uh, some well-priced investments for those funds that uh, want to take a little bit of a punt at the moment. The other part of your your life at the moment is in uh, food technology, and I'm very intrigued with food technology because, you know, whilst we've had many iterations of, I suppose, you know, microprocessing technology-driven changes, food technology has been talked about for quite some time, and we are now beginning to see the first sort of iterations of commercialised products that you could, you know, umbrella under food technology. From your perspective in that space, first of all, how would you define food technology and what are the things that are, uh, that are going on that's going to have an impact yeah, in our lives? It's a very fair question and it's, uh, of course, a quite wide range of things that fall under food tech. Uh, I would say food tech is kind of the umbrella for innovation in food that either gives you a more sustainable access to nutrients and therefore paying attention on the environment, on the utilization of uh, scarce resources, or a healthier version, ideally both, more sustainable and healthy. And in fact, I had the benefit uh, while I was working at Metro 
and we did engage with innovation. We did support startups in the hospitality sector, but we also did start to support innovation in food tech. And the thing that I could see, not only there was a spree of uh, new ideas and new concepts coming to real life and coming to relevance, they came to relevance because of a shift in consumer preference. And that, quite frankly, David, is a big change. Innovation has been difficult in the consumer goods market, uh, in, in, in the food sector. Why? Because we all followed our habits. The way we, how we grew up, the way how we have been eating, you know, has somehow not limited our, our choice, but really has determined a, a large part of our choice in groceries. And therefore, innovation didn't seem to be the best idea for a consumer packaged goods company. As of 2015, we saw people moving to the more sustainable version, looking for plant-based product as an alternative to dairy milk, a plant-based product uh, as an alternative to meat. And this was ever accelerating. And the quality of the innovations was improving. The taste parity all of a sudden was there. And that intrigued other people and made them curious to also engage into this phenomenon. It's fair to say that at the time, it probably was more the millennials, now actually being complemented by, by Gen Z. But the growth of the, such products was up to five times faster than the conventional um, product on shelf. And therefore, it is obvious that the most relevant success factor for the transition of the food system is not the capital. It's not just science, it's the consumer. And the consumer has made her and his mind. They want something which is uh, healthier for them and ideally more sustainable. And even now with high inflation, and we just had access to recent surveys, this stays on course. People are not shifting back to old preferences, uh, which might be driven much more by price. Is it everyone today? No, it still is a small proportion of the market, but rapidly growing. And as it grows, it will become more affordable because Costco will come down and sure. then will reach more people. Paint us a picture of what type of products, food, technologies fast coming down the track. I mean, you see all this. Yeah, uh, I think the ones that resonate most with people, of course, are plant-based milk, yes. oat milk, uh, pea milk, soy milk. I mean, these have been uh, leading the way. Yes, I mean, given the, the intolerances that many people have now. Exactly, in, in, exactly. Uh, and there were alternatives, like here in Spain in particular, horchata, which has been kind of an alternative to dairy milk. But it is, since let's say 15 years, there has been a growing engagement um, from innovators uh, into that space. We had these two famous American companies uh, launching the burger patties uh, that really came very close to taste parity, which opened eyes to people. It's possible to get very, very close in look and feel, taste, and uh, enjoying something that's, that's really very close to the original. Uh, we've seen now a whole host of uh, people complementing that with other products um, in, the, in the meat space, but also fish. You see now plant-based fish uh, products uh, rising um, on shelf. What I would expect is we will see a rapid evolution. So we will see significant progress in fermentation, which is key to get to a better nutrient and also key to get to a better taste. And fermentation of organic products like fungi, mycelium fungi or algae, seems to be very, very promising to be the next chapter. And, and then, as you know, there, there is no end to this. There's precision fermentation with microorganisms. And eventually, but that probably might take a bit more time, um, the cultivated space, so, so cell-based. 
So I have no problem in imagining how a world could look like by 2030 or 2035 uh, when it comes to alternatives that are taste equal, that will be either equal on nutrients or even better, but way better on sustainability. I mean, intrinsically much better on sustainability. Yes. So it's not a, a program to put on top of it. It's an intrinsic nature of the way that things will be produced. Yes, who are the players going to be in this space? I mean, is this a time for massive disruption in the you know FMCG type marketplaces? Well, you know, there are people hoping for that. There are people calling for that. There are people also trying to create a conflict between the existent incumbents uh, and the new insurgents. I I would dare to say that at the end of the day, it will be a collective change. Um, the large uh, consumer product goods uh, companies have fully understood that change is necessary. And if you watch them, they are not talking about it. They are making it happen, uh, either through their own R&D, but very often also through acquisition. And people who accuse them for doing that, I think, are having a blind eye on the fact that that change, if it is applied by a large corporation, will be significantly stronger <laughs> than if you try it on yes. your own. Yeah. And you would need to raise you know, massive amount of capital uh, to get anywhere close, but you won't because um, by definition, these guys have been around for ages and I see the benefit of them. Um, if they have the right attitude, the right values, the right purpose, why they're doing that, one should not be worried that at the day after the takeover, they will change gears and change the recipe and go back to, why should they? I mean, yeah, well, <laughs> that's what they bought. So, <laughs> so, so it says, why destroy it? Um, I, mean, I mean, finally, the last piece of that particular jigsaw is, I suppose, massive consumer adoption. As you say at the moment, you know, maybe it's past the niche stage um, and it, it's growing. What's the tipping point for mass consumer adoption, do you think? Um, at the end of the day, it's going to be price parity. Uh, right now, it's fair to say that the large amount of uh, innovative products have a bit of a premium as they are a bit more costly in, 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 in production. And actually, some even then, still have very thin margins. So, as a function of uh, economies of scale, once we see one after the other industrialized, and the jury is still out, which one is worth to really double down for industrialization? But it, one thing's for sure, it will happen. And once that happens, we will see ingredient production coming at much li limited uh, resource utilization, whether that is land, water, although it is uh, greenhouse gas emissions, or whatever you pick, and by definition, that must turn into an economic uh, advantage. And by that time, it will be at cost parity. Eventually, it will be underneath. And that will convince uh, people, if I have a choice to get a product that actually tastes same or better, has really good label, good nutrients, is a good thing for my body, for myself, at a lower price, and it does something good to the environment... What's the problem? I mean, now I finally I can't help but ask you this question. You know, you've been the CEO of a massive retail group for many, many years. Do you miss Monday morning trading meetings? <laughs> I, I am honest. Um, I, I admit that I miss people. Uh, I, I really enjoyed working at Metro. I, I had uh, great colleagues there, and it was always uh, a pleasure to you know be exposed to this diversity that you have on on, on that on that kind of job. 
But the honest truth is, I started my career as a as a founder. I had a tech company in the late nineties. Um, yes, you you wrote technical manuals, didn't you? For yes, many years, yeah. yeah. And that turned actually then to advisory, and that turned then to actually launching a company, uh, which I sold uh, in two thousand. And my corporate career thereafter took off fairly quickly. But I always stayed close to innovation. I did some private investment. We, I tried to inspire Metro in engaging with startups as well because I feel that this is a, a learning uh, exercise as well for such a large corporation. So for me, after nine years, after having actually then achieved the refocus on, on, the, on the wholesale business in a much modernized version, having achieved that from nine billion debt in 2012, we get cut to zero uh, euro debt. For me, it was clear I want to go again into this entrepreneurial role and what's better you know, than trying to inspire as many people, uh, support as many people, and a venture capital fund uh, seems ideal for that. Well, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, and the future is going to be very interesting for you as well. I shall uh, look forward to seeing how it all develops. Olive, thanks very much indeed. Thank you, David. For more conversations in this podcast series, go to wppbav.com forward slash wrc 2023